Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. <laughs> For the listeners, Max is literally... <laughs> Max is... <laughs> he just... <laughs> <laughs> I got so angry, I just like slapped my mouth. <laughs> oh my god. It's lights out and away we go. It's back off, it's back off, going so it is. That's gone off. Oh my goodness me. Oh god. Michael Schumacher hits David Coulthard and he's out. He's dead. Jensen Button wins. And I've got to stop because I'm going to love it. Hello and welcome to the Cup to the Race podcast. It is 2021. We are back. Happy New Year. Um, I'm with Matt and Emma today. How are you guys? Good, thanks. Yeah, it's freezing cold up here. I think it's minus five outside. Oh my God. In Glasgow. Yeah. Ding dong, 2020 is dead. We've made it, everybody. Woo! Glad to have that behind us. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's... Okay, I'm not going to say anything negative at all, but it doesn't seem like it's quite gone yet, does it? But did you guys have a nice Christmas and New Year with your families, if you could? Yeah, uh, I had my mum and dad over at my house. They are still classed as my household since I lived with them for like nine months last year. Um, So I had them over for Christmas and New Year. It was just myself, my husband and my daughter. She made it to 10 o'clock and then she was in bed, so... But yeah, good, good times. Yeah, my missus and I discovered that we're still children at heart uh, and that we both woke up at about six o'clock on Christmas Day with no children in the house and still got up and opened presents. Uh, <laughs> so it was it was wonderful. We got to see some family with some uh, social distancing going in place, but it was just what we needed to put that year behind us and kind of recharge the batteries a little bit. It was. It was indeed. And um, what we're going to do today is have a look back on 2020 um, F1 season. We're going to do the part two of our uh, season review where we're going to go through the races and um, some of the really big moments um, that went on through the year. But before we do, there is some news to talk about. Um, (sighs) Australia. The Australian GP, it's not looking like it's going to go ahead as planned, is it, guys? No, I'm getting a bit of deja vu here. It's a yeah. bit of a bad, bad omen for this season. But, you know, my, my feeling last year was if they can put a season together, that would be the, the best thing. Um, you know, I was fully prepared to not have a 2020 season. I fully respected if they if they weren't able to put it together in the middle of the pandemic. I fully respected that, um, but yeah, this year is it's it's already started, and I'm quite concerned about the races going forward. But um, hopefully, um, it's if it is Australia, then hopefully it's only Australia. Well, that and at least they didn't wait until fans were at the gates this time there. And granted, the timing with the release and the information of the pandemic coming out last year led to that pile up at the gates. People there, tickets in hand, ready to go. And then, oh, just kidding, go home. 
Uh, so, you know, fair play to F1 and FIA for making that call now. Uh, I still have a lot of hope for this season and that a lot of the other sports around the world have looked to F1 to see how did you pull that off? Uh, the mathematics and the professionalism of this sport on the whole set the standard. And, you know, here in America, as the easy comparison, American professional football did not <laughs> do that well, considering there's still a game happening this weekend uh, for most of the teams. And it's possibly like 30% of the entire professional football league are not eligible to play because of COVID right now. Uh, Emma, Emma can't believe that. Like it, it's wow. that bad. Uh, and it, things like that for me really helped put into perspective just how successful the control and preventive measures that the FIA had in place were. So, uh, you know, I hate we're missing Australia, but if but anybody can yet. do it, we don't know yet, but we, we, we don't know. We, we do know. <laughs> Let's be honest. It, um, <laughs> it doesn't make sense going from Spain, um, to Australia, back to Bahrain again. And I, I don't think the Australians want this new variant of, um, COVID that we've, we've produced in the UK or, or we've brought over from South Africa, whichever way around it is. But, um, yeah, the, the, um, Australian, GP was due to take place on the well the weekend of nineteenth of March, but I think we can we can pretty much guarantee that that's going to be rescheduled. Let's hope rescheduled because uh, we missed it last year, and it'd be be nice to go back there, wouldn't it? Um, there's some news on Hass. Um, Matt, would you as the, as the resident American, would you like to go <laughs> through that with us? Uh, I'm the only one that's just brave enough to actually use the H word right now in the F1 world. Uh, so, of course, with the departure of Roman Grosjean and Kevin Magnussen, there were some proprietary sponsors that were due to leave with them. Uh, Jack and Jones was, of course, the sponsor of Kevin Magnussen and Mind Maze, which sounds like a great sci-fi film title, by the way, was one of uh, Roman Grosjean's titles. However, there were some others that were due to stay on for this year. And in light of the driver, he who shall not be named, uh, we'll call him, let's just call him Voldemort. It's better to say that than his actual <laughs> name. Uh, you know, Peak, Blue Def, and Nominet have left Haas. So Voldemort decided to bring in Ural Kilm and Ural Kali to step into the void left by them financially. Uh, so Voldemort will be racing for Haas this year. And Voldemort has basically bought his way in using sponsors and they can't afford to let him go now. Right, so I've got a question because there's an interesting spin on this where uh, I think Jack and Jones have been quite public on, well, has have been, that they were leaving anyway. But what you're saying is not the, 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 the story that's being painted, is it? This is actually what's really happening. Yeah, you know, Jack and Jones had their... Try this again. Jack and Jones are firmly tethered to Kevin Magnuson. So if he goes to other formulas or other racing series, they will most likely follow suit. Uh, however, I think a lot of the media out there is just like, oh, everybody's jumping ship. Voldemort's burning everything. And, you know, it's just it's drivers leave when they have sponsors. The sponsors go with them. However, now uh, he should not be named as having to step into the void left by those other teams uh for instance for me the one that surprised me was peak uh, i follow a couple other racing series as well here in the states like nhra top fuel drags and peak is very very influential and prominent in that sport so for them to leave haas states not only where they view haas as a potential money-making platform but i think it's also trying to distance themselves from voldemort 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Voldemort saga is not going away, is it? I was, um, I've been looking quite closely at uh, Hass's uh, social medias and they've been turning off commenting on, all, on a lot of their posts and for obvious reasons, but they've recently just turned them back on again. And um, the only thing that was commented, and it was, it was actually a question, it was something like, uh, okay, I can't remember what it was, but it was completely unrelated to anything that's happened with he, he who shall not be named. Um, but it was all just that hashtag in, in the comments. Literally, there was no other comments apart from that hashtag. I can't even say the hashtag because I would have to name him. Um, but yeah, I think there's going to be a few few um, resignations at the Hass social media team. So yeah. starting with their Twitter head, because I mean, yes, they're going viral, but it's not the way they intended. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not. I, I I wouldn't take that job if you said I'd be working for an F1 team. I, I just think it'd be a disaster. Um, and I'm quite glad that this isn't just going to go away because. Um, really, we're all locked in. Well, especially in the UK, we've got nothing else to think about. So let's just keep that up. Um, anything else on uh, Hass, Matt? Mm -mm. I think you summed it up (laughs) Haas, the team that's in such an untenable position, nobody wants to work for them even if it meant working for an F1 team that's the best point (laughs) I've ever heard made on this podcast well what's what's the childhood dream working for an F1 team do you want to work for Haas social media? no Um, yeah I would but mm, no (laughs) Would you like to be the one that holds Mazipin? Ah, shit. Oh, he said it. He said it. No. We need one of them buzzers for like any time you say his name, you get buzzed. Right. In, we the, post find. Edit, in the post edit, I'm going to do. Okay. <laughs> we will fine every member of this panel five pounds every time they actually say his name. <laughs> oh, God. I'm, I give up. I retire now. Um, <laughs> Aston Martin. Wow. Um, they came onto the scene with a bit of a bag, didn't they? It was it was New Year's Day, I think it was. It was just Aston Martin Day, really. It was the new the new rebrand. I mean, I've sort of forgotten Racing Point ever existed now. It's um there's no there's nothing to do with them. It's like they've just vanished. They have. Um, but what do we what do we think about their their uh, their, their introduction into Formula One? I thought it was quite exciting, quite well done, um, and it's it's nice to have green. Yeah, it was a kind of New Year, New You kind of thing, wasn't it for for Aston Martin? No, <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden we got this massive rebrand, and it was like, hey, Aston Martin's here. Um, yeah, I feel I feel quite quite sad about losing the Pink Panthers or Tracing Point, shall we say? Um, <laughs> but I'm actually quite excited to see what um, what Aston what Aston Martin can do, um, and they're going to be uh, racing in the British Racing Green, which I am super excited to see back on the grid again as well. There's some really cool mock-ups of this uh, livery. I've actually just seen one now done by um, uh, Tim. Freaking hell. What a weird last name. Tim. <laughs> I'm doing both Tim. <laughs> How you doing? I'm Tim Friggin' Hell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and the funniest thing is his name wasn't even Tim. It was Sean Ball. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we were, there were numbers and letters yeah, in man. there. We got close, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think no. the thing on Aston Martin's reveal is I was sitting here as a Seb man waiting with 
debit card in hand with that little <laughs> countdown clock they had going on their website, <laughs> I was going to be the first person in the world to have officially licensed Aston Martin racing merchandise. And it didn't happen. <laughs> so <laughs> I was I was mad about that, but just seeing that, you know, BRG is going to be making a return to the grid, even as an American, that has to warm your soul. It it's time and I am hyped for it. They don't need to sell much. They've got well, they've, they've got Stroll, and they've also got Aston Martin. Like, what, what, why do they even need to? Not an interest of theirs, clearly, at the moment. Nor is does it actually revealing this livery, which I think is going to be... Gonna February. Be, it's the most eagerly awaited uh, reveal of the season. What date on February, Matt? Please say it's the 14th. I don't... I want to say it was the 7th, wasn't it? Or have they even released a date yet? I don't think they've released dates yet. So, pro tip free from the Formula Nerds. Make it February 14th. Give us all what we want. I mean, you're halfway there. Get rid of Stroll. Keep the British Racing green. Reveal your new driver in livery on February 14th. You've just solved world peace. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's something for me to get on Valentine's Day as a gift as well. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> right, next. <laughs> uh, you and Tom Friganell. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, that's going to be one of the sticking points, isn't it, Matt? Like Formula. Uh, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's quite a lot going behind, going on behind the scenes at Aston Martin at the moment. They've they've got uh, involvement from some Mercedes AMG engineers, um, and I think that's that's saying something. That's saying something about their intention for this year. And I was also thinking, I don't know what you guys think about this, but Aston Martin aren't going to come into F1 and just do okay. They're, they're going to come in with a bit of a bang aren't they well we've 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 seen that on social media but they don't mess around when it comes to racing i don't think they will have any intention of rolling up and becoming a midfield team they'll want to be challenging mercedes which is probably why they've got some expertise on their side to help them do that um everyone talks about mercedes who are going to challenge them next year possibly red bull um, you know, they've got Perez joining the team, which will be a hell of a lot better than Albon. Um, so they'll have sort of Verstappen and Perez challenging Mercedes. However, you've got to think about Aston Martin as well. You cannot just pin them up as a midfield team. I think they're going to be up there with Red Bull, definitely. Did Andy Cowell, was he ever linked officially to Aston Martin or ruled out from going to Aston Martin from Mercedes? I'm not sure. So Andy Cowell left Mercedes earlier this year, and there were a lot of rumors out there that he may be being headhunted by Daddy Stroll over Aston Martin. And I have not heard head nor tails of that since. Uh, Basically, when you have the money, you have the brand, you have the backing that Lance Stroll and Lawrence Stroll have now over there, you are a more attractive package. You And they proved this year, uh, we just finished up as well, that having the right platform in place with the Mercedes engine. They were able to exploit that little loophole in the regulations. And not to say the same argument they have Lewis Hamilton with, it's not the car that power plant helps as long as it's not blowing up in the first four weeks. Uh, you know, that is an attractive platform and all it takes is a couple of right tweaks and they could legitimately be pushing at the front. Will they ever compete with Mercedes to the level they have on this platform so far in the V6 twin turbo hybrid era? I don't believe so, but by having the people come in now before the massive regulation change going into 2022, you can start to check off some of those boxes and kind of guide, mold, shape, and research going ahead, and they could be 
the big dog yes. in this new era coming up. Yeah, so I, I didn't say anything just then because I didn't actually know the latest on this. But for, the, for those that don't know, Andy Cowell is the the, uh, well, the man behind the Mercedes engine. Um, would we say that's sort of how you'd summarize him? But that's what, fair. When, when he left, I've just pulled an article up on, from an interview with him when he left uh, Mercedes after, what was it, 16, 16 years. He said that a few, there are a few interesting things he said in there. Um, he said, F1 will always be a part of my life. He also said, I'm not 100% sure what I'm going to do yet. Basically, he's on gardening leave, isn't he? Maybe he's just trying to get his office set up just the way he wants it, Aston Martin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I believe... So the first news of Andy Cowell's departure started coming out in like June or July of last year. And Total Wolf actually made a statement then saying that and I, this is going to be very, very loose paraphrasing. It's difficult to replace somebody around which so much of their development revolves. He was instrumental in the development research and uh, quality control done by that team. So the man knows how to build an engine. Full stop. And he could be, if he goes as Martin, a very, very key person to help develop that engine further. It's already a platform he's intimate with, so that lends itself better to the chassis makers and the balancing of the platform and all of that. You know, it's not just more power. Sorry, Jezza. But <laughs> it's a good personnel to slot in there to help you have a better understanding of how everything works in concert with that power plant to produce a winning car. Power plant. You said it again. Power unit. Power unit, power plant. <laughs> 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 oh, it's a new year, but it's not a new mat. <laughs> Never. Next up, we have um, Sir Lewis Hamilton. Um, yeah, let's. Should we talk about the Sir bit first? Um, he, Lewis Hamilton, got knighted. He is now Sir Lewis Hamilton. That's um, a bit of an achievement, really. I know there's some haters out there for sure, but it, it's a bit of an achievement, isn't it? Let's be honest. I think it was it was a long time coming. I think people have been talking about this for years. Um, now that he's a, a seven-time world champion and he's equaled Michael Schumacher's record um, of most world titles, I think it was well-deserved. But, you know, my concern is that he's now going to be on the grid. He's going to be in a Formula One car. And what do the commentators call him? Do they have oh. to call him? Oh, Sir Lewis has taken the lead. That's one of the It's good. It just doesn't work. I just hope that he's a better human being than I am because I know for a fact if I was ever given a knighthood and a reporter was like, "Excuse me, Lewis, a question." It's like, "Sorry, I don't understand you. I can't hear you unless you call me by my correct title." I would. <laughs> I would be exactly the same. I'd be like, uh, "It's lady to you." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, did you all see the renderings of all the lances photoshopped on <laughs> last year's Mercedes car and said that should be his livery for next year? <laughs> or the helmet design? Did you the see helmet, the helmet yeah, design? So like, <laughs> yes. I, I Which, like the helmet designs. Yep. Yeah. Um, I I understand why they did it. And he, he's deserved it. I don't care who you are, who you root for. The man's a legend. He will go down the history books as, oh, this pains me, the goat. He owns almost every record there is to be able to be gotten by him. But I wish they just waited a little bit because it's going to be so obnoxious. I, think I completely agree. Mm, they should have. Mm. I think they should have waited until he retired. But I mean, nobody knows when that's going to be. So it was quite hard to to not sort of celebrate this achievement with a knighthood. 
But yeah. at the same time, I, I completely agree. I think they should have waited until he had retired. He from got eight. I think he is, uh, by the way, I'm the biggest Lewis fan uh, out there, but I think either wait till he got eight and became the official goat um, or when he retired. I feel like it, it just happened a bit too quickly. And um, we did run a, a, a vote on our Facebook page uh, whether he deserved it or not. Um, most of you thought he did, which, oh my God, my faith in humanity is uh, restored. Um, two and a half thousand said he did, but 681 people said that he didn't deserve it. Um, that's quite a, quite a large amount, though, isn't it? That's 681 people that just will never be satisfied and will never be able to admit that Lewis Hamilton has single-handedly embarrassed every driver on the grid and still to come on this grid while he is driving. And that's coming from a diehard Seb man. Numbers don't lie. Yes, there were some hateful comments out there due to, uh, to put it politically correctly, alternative factors, a.k.a. ignorance and racism. But to say that he doesn't deserve it, come on, man. Get, just accept it. Take the what, bitter pill. What is enough? What's enough for these 681 people? Yeah. Well, what, what's, it, what's enough? <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you because I'm not going to name names, but I will read you what some of them that's got a few thumbs up. Um Oh, God. I watched an ambulance driver um, getting a serial, seriously ill person to hospital for saving a life. Maybe they should get one, too. Um, we got... Uh, Does he have the second most... Is he tied for the most number of people taken to hospital while <laughs> sick of all time? Is he getting people there three times faster than every other ambulance driver? I mean, I appreciate the sentiment, but eh, swing and a miss. Next. Uh, Another one of my favorites says uh, that means that every musician, actor, politician, writer, entertainment, person who ri rode a bike, won a race or hit a ball with a bat, commentator, golfer, tennis player, racing driver. I could go on and on. Should have got one, too. Uh, I will never give D. Snyder from Twisted Sister a knighthood. Next. Uh, so basically <laughs> you're comparing you're saying Lewis Hamilton is the same as every single person on Earth. Hmm. And to say that it's the same as every musician, all that, he's the goat. Like, I get it through your dense, sponge-like, water-in, water-out brain. He is the greatest racing driver to ever put on a Nomex fire suit and get in a cockpit. Full stop. I mean, to compare, like, Lewis Hamilton to an ambulance driver... I, I completely understand the fact that the, the, the NHS workers and all the key workers in the country right now deserve as much praise as we can possibly give them for working under so much stress and so much pressure over the past year. But you cannot compare an ambulance driver to, to Lewis Hamilton. You know, all the ambulance drivers out there working in this pandemic, they deserve mm. everything that they, they can get. They really, really yes. do. But you cannot give... Thousands and thousands of NHS workers' knighthoods and or whatever. <laughs> not, to, not to be disrespectful, but Lewis would be a pretty no. good ambulance driver, wouldn't he? I think his his um... he'd be the best. <laughs> he would be the he'd best. Be the best. Um, I'll get you to the hospital in five seconds. <laughs> I, I hope they really strap down that stretcher in the back of the ambulance. Bono, my patient's gone. <laughs> They'll be changing tires on it every few minutes as well, but. Um, <laughs> One of the one of the comments that we had over and over was, he doesn't deserve it. He was just doing his job. Now, I think the the people who said that, just go onto Wikipedia and have a little look at the meaning of um, being knighted and, and what what it means, because I, I'm not sure you've 
you've, you've fully understood it, if I'm honest. Uh, there were loads and loads of nice comments saying uh, what an incredible person he is. So um, I have just picked on a few of the ones that tickled me slightly. Um, but he is also negotiating his contract at the moment, which is it's funny timing, actually, to be, to be knighted at the same time as um, rejecting a contract from your employer. So, um, yeah, he, he has rejected his offer from Mercedes. Did you see the offer that he rejected? Uh, enlighten me. I did, but just for the listeners. So the offer that Mercedes made him was 40 million pounds, which to the, to the layman, you know, you kind of get those cartoon eyes bugging out of your head. And they had a bonus stipend in there of 10% of his full bonus if he wins the driver's championship, equaling a totally cheesy tip of the cap to his number 44 of 44 million pounds. I, I, come on, you have to have more than just coincidence and hokey marketing strategies to sign a seven-time world champion. So it's, it's Daimler behind this that, uh, that have rejected, because Lewis mm. reportedly um, wanted $50 million, that is, a year, uh, for four years, and Daimler butted in and said, nope, that's not happening. Um, which you would say with a little performance like that from Russell, wouldn't you? That kind of gives me, are they holding out for a budget championship run with not Lewis and Russell instead? Is that the play? I mean, the news is reporting that this is all down to, well, Mercedes have seen what they can get for cheaper. Uh, I don't really think that's the case. I'm, I'm sort of playing on that a bit, but it's true. <laughs> I, I, I think they're quite keen to give George Russell a chance in the mm. Mercedes. They're quite keen to get him in that in that seat. But Lewis Hamilton wanting, I think he's I think he really wants to sign like a four year deal, like a multi deal. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Mercedes are keen on doing that just because they want to get George Russell in the seat. And I think they kind of thought that maybe once Hamilton has either reached seven or possibly eight world titles that he'll retire and that they'll be able to automatically put George Russell in the seat. But he said at the end of the 2020 season, he was only just getting started and he felt really motivated and, you know, he was really, really driven to get another world title and he'll go for as far as he can go. So I don't know. Is that sort of, unintentionally preserving the legacy and the mystique of Lewis Hamilton by not granting him the multi-year deal. Are they trying to keep him limited in an era that they know he can dominate? Because what happens if Lewis Hamilton goes out? And I'm not saying this is likely, but it has to be a scenario debated. What if Mercedes does not produce the best car in 2022 and Lewis Hamilton finds himself in the unenviable position of being in a non-competitive car? So are they trying to say, like, you have one more year and we'll see what we come up with? We don't want to lose the the dominant factor, dominance factor. We don't want to lose the illusion of invincibility. Is that something they could be looking at there? I've just had, I've just had a thought. I was going to say something else, but I've just had a thought on this. So, if Russell was to replace Bottas, let's say, um, and but uh, Russell, I was going to call him, uh, <laughs> and uh, and and Russell then let's say wins the championship because let, let's be honest, he's he's an up and coming star, right? He's got a future. <clears throat> If he beats Lewis, then Lewis is still getting paid 50 million quid a year. He's still going to be the highest paid driver that there is. Um, and he's got that secured for four more years. Like, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a nice position to be in, isn't it? Let's be, 
that's a very nice position to be in. But I, I think that um, Russell will will take Bottas's seat before Linus's. In the same breath, though, like, yes, you know, there's the old saying of every driver thinks they're the best on any given Sunday. However, even if Russell were to join with Lewis Hamilton and somehow outperform Lewis Hamilton in the same car, we have to think about the amount of money and publicity and everything that Lewis Hamilton has done for that brand since he signed there. There's there's no way you can put down a number and say, well, Lewis Hamilton being this good earned us X number of dollars. But you kind of ballpark it, and if they're paying him $40 million with the amount of money coming from the prize givings, the publicity, the promotions, the name recognition, the merchandise, da 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 Come on, just pay the man. Let's get it on. Yeah, I, I think I think now it's actually, we were just saying before it was our, uh, you know, uh, earlier, well, last year, we were saying it's just Hamilton being arrogant and just, just keeping it going. But actually, they're, they're, there might be a bit more to this. They're clearly not, um, they're not, they're not seeing eye to eye, are they? And I think um, it's it's nice to know that Lewis isn't going to retire tomorrow. Well, if he can uh, agree on a contract. But I was reading Martin Brundle was um, uh, talking about this and he said Lewis Hamilton is still at the absolute peak of his driving ability. Um, he said, if you look at Vettel, you can see that he's starting to go on that downhill curve. And I, Brust, uh, Br- Brundle, and I quote, said... It's realistic that he could get 10 titles. I, I think that is achievable. I do, but... Um, 10. My God. I think, I think it is achievable. It's whether he's, he's got the motivation to keep going. Like, as, as Matt said, like, come 2022, if Mercedes don't produce the car, will he actually stay? Nobody wants to go out of their, like, this amazing career... On a low, when they're well, not performing. Nobody wants to do that. Fifty million's not much for a low, is it? If he can uh, get that one over the line, <laughs> I, I would go out on fifty million in last place, very happily. I'll take Voldemort's seat for fifty million. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. I would say that I think it is more likely that Lewis Hamilton, no matter where he finishes his career at, it's more likely for him to get ten drivers' championships than it is for Mercedes to get 10 Constructors' Championships. Say that again. (laughs) I can see your wheels turning. I think it is more likely that Lewis Hamilton would get 10 Drivers' Championships than it would be for Mercedes to get 10 Constructors' Championships. Matt's suggesting that he might go to another team Yes, he is. There are two insinuations there. One, that he could go to another team because the whole point of the regulations change is to make everything more equal. However, if Mercedes doesn't retain Lewis Hamilton into 2022, let's say that Lewis Hamilton, pick your team almost. We have seen this shift very subtly this year of these, I'm going to call them super teams. Daniel Ricciardo, Lando Norris, solid lineup, two points getters. Going over to uh, Red Bull, Sergio Perez, Max Verstappen, two solid drivers, two solid points getters. So if you remove Hamilton from that equation, yes, Botas is a points getter, but he's just the silver speed bump behind Lewis Hamilton most of the time. So if they replace him with George Russell, is George Russell dominant enough to pick up that slack? Ah. 
The favourite thing about that was uh, the silver speed bump, Matt. <laughs> I think out of everything <laughs> you, you said, that. that's what I'm going to take away from it. Uh, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's an interesting point. And actually, Aston Martin, you never know. You never know. I said two solid drivers, not one four-time world champion that needs a better team and a Canadian dirtbag. Oh, no, I wasn't talking about a Canadian dirtbag. I was talking about <laughs> Lewis taking him out. Anyway. Ooh. Uh, let's what go. About, sorry, go on. You, oh, you can't drop that idea. What would happen? Mm-hmm. What would have to happen for... Lawrence Stroll to look at his son Lance and say, congratulations, you're the reserve driver behind Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel. Ah. <laughs> I would love to be a part oh, of that man. It's, it's just the idea of having Lewis and Vettel together. That would just be absolutely priceless. You see, maybe, five, years, five years ago, that would never, ever have worked, like at Hamilton and Vettel. But see, now... They're best friends. Now I'm starting to warm to the idea... In fact, they, 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 you know, Vettel got down and gave Hamilton a little hug in his car when he won the championship. Yeah, so much love. He said some really nice things about his achievements, hasn't he? If Lewis Hamilton doesn't come to a deal with Mercedes, they can both commiserate about their teams not doing them right and recognizing their talent and providing them the resources and the appreciation and respect <laughs> they deserve. <laughs> I'm not sure I agree with that. <laughs> Here's a suggestion. Would you not think that, you know, given the fact that McLaren have actually had a really great season last year, I actually think this year they're going to be a real contender for more podiums. Could Hamilton potentially go back to the team where it all started? Piggybacking off the Mercedes power unit. That's the best thing I've ever heard, honestly. That would that's how you end a career, Emma. You can you you don't need 15 million quits to end it like that. You can just go back to the team which built you from the ground up. Is Emma suggesting a Lion King circle of life scenario for Lewis Hamilton? I am. I <laughs> what would be even better is if he was partnering Ricardo. That would just. But what would, would you do with Lando? Well, we'd put him somewhere else. I don't know. <laughs> Get out of here. You're not part of the sandwich, Lando. As long as he's not put as the reserve driver, that would be very, uh, very hated across the world. Can you imagine the uproar on social media if Lando got put as a reserve? Oh, God. Emma just gooed me. I love that idea, actually. I think it's brilliant. Zach Brown, if you're listening, please, 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 pretty please, please, please. I think what we should do, God, I'm a nerd. What we should do is we should each make our ideal F1 lineup and um, we should bring it to the Cut to the Race podcast one week. Where we literally go, right, uh, these two in Mercedes, these two in Ferrari, these two, etc., etc. Only have you, not, we... have you not seen that thing going around on Facebook? It's you pick your birth month, your birthday, and something else, and it, it, it kind of turns out your, your team. Probably and... I, stroll though, I did, and I don't want to talk about mine. <laughs> <was a> oh, <laughs> Please tell us. Come on. I will find it, and by the time this podcast is over, I will revisit that and let everybody know that. It I was, think someone possibly shared it to the Nerds group. 
Well, it definitely wasn't Matt. He definitely did not share, share his response. <laughs> like, like I read through it and looked at it. I was like, hey, this is a, this is a cool idea. I hate you, whoever made that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I felt so personally attacked. <laughs> yeah, if we can find that, that's that's I'm, I'm up for that. That that's yeah. uh, that's something I like the sound of. Um, only entertaining for us, obviously. The listeners are all going off. Oh, for God's sake, get on with it. <laughs> just so you know i can see in emma's glasses i can see her scrolling now through Facebook. i'm trying to find it i'm trying to find it <laughs> oh and that is as well okay right um probably time to take a break isn't it um we'll be back on the other side Welcome back. Um, we've, we've actually taken a very long break. I think it was about half an hour whilst we found um, <laughs> this, uh, <laughs> uh, this thing that um, we mentioned. So refresh my memory, Emma. What exactly is it? And then uh, I'll give you my, my deets. So it's like a, a team generator, Formula One team generator. So to choose your team, we need your birthday month, your date of birth, and the color of shirt that you're wearing. Oh, I may I may have upgraded because I changed shirt color. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so, Ollie, your birthday month is October. Your date of birth, the twenty sixth. Twenty sixth. Oh God! So you have oh, no. in your team Sebastian Vettel. Oh, for God's sake! Yes, off to a solid start. And Lance Stroll. No! <laughs> They're my two least favourite drivers, man. <laughs> You've just built the Aston Martin team. You're winding me up. This is so weird because the colour of your shirt is, is that navy blue. Uh, yeah, I'm wearing a Formula Nerds jumper, which you can um, get one day. If uh, <laughs> Yes, I'm wearing a Formula Nerds hoodie. Uh, it, is, it is navy blue. Okay, Racing Point is your team. That's kind of weird. You get weird. out of here. You built the entire Aston Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Ollie, Listen, you have to get rid of all your Lewis stuff, man. It's, the universe has decided. I'm the team principal of Aston Martin Racing, really, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, man. Um, right. Come on, then. You've had a laugh at me. Emma? Okay, so my birthday month is December, yep. and my birthday is the 24th. It is. So Ooh. I have Kimi Raikkonen mm-hmm. and Carlos Sainz. Okay. Solid. And I'm wearing navy blue, so I'm racing points. <laughs> Ma- it's Mike it's quite a decent team. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a mic slap more than anything. <laughs> for, for the listeners, Matt is literally. <laughs> Matt is. <laughs> he just. <laughs> I got so angry. I just like slapped my mic. <laughs> oh my god! He just, he just, he just swiped it off his desk. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> right. Move it a little bit back from your face now, Matt. Bloody hell. Oh, okay. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, oh. I'm okay. so glad we're recording that. That's going in our Cut to the Race podcast group on Facebook. <laughs> um, All right. You ready, Emma? I'm ready for you, Matt. My okay. birthday is March. <laughs> 
Mm. Yep. 29th. No. Come on, share the joke. I don't know what it is. Lucky. (laughs) Share the joke. So, Roman Grosjean. Oh, no. And John Ennick Vern. (laughs) (laughs) And he's wearing wearing a red t shirt. Well, uh, Bane. I'm wearing a Salmon Spa Formula Nerds t shirt. Okay, right. Well, if it doesn't have salmon, then we'll go to the closest thing. <laughs> yeah, right. Wait, are, we, are we classing it as red or pink? Um, I'll go with, I'd say it's more red than pink. I'll say it's more red than pink. Okay, that's, so you have um, Grosjean and Vern in a Williams. Oh, dear. That's an, <laughs> that's an improvement because what's the grey? I was wearing a grey t-shirt the day I first looked at this, and the grey constructor is... Alfa Romeo. (laughs) I remember like, oh, this is going to be a fun little giggle. And I just got mad. (laughs) Oh, dear. Thanks for uh, sharing that. Emma, can you, we we need to get that in our, uh, in our podcast group. I want to see if anybody can top that for the worst possible lineup. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is. I will, I will certainly share it in the group. And we'll see who can come up with the worst one. <laughs> the bar has been set. Yeah. <laughs> the microphone has been destroyed. Um, I hope not. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's okay. Oh, man. <sighs> so. Vernon <laughs> <laughs> Groshan. <laughs> And Eric Vern as well, like, what's the chances of that? (laughs) The shirt didn't even help me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. (laughs) I'm just going to have a sip of my beer, I think, and try and recompose. I think... think, think you guys... Fish Grand Prix podcast all over again, can't stop laughing. Uh, 2021 is no different. I need to take oh, this continuation of the same. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Look at Matt's face. He's, he's still uh, he's, he's he's like a little kid giggling, giggling in school back when you could go to him. It's isn't he? so bad. Who <laughs> 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 even puts those on there? <laughs> Does anyone know when Callum's birthday is? Because he's not on the podcast today, just in case you didn't know. Uh, Let me look him up on Facebook. Oh, that's quite a good shout. Let's just embarrass Callum when he's not on the podcast. This is what we do. (laughs) Uh, It's not... uh... I can Mm. see where he lives, but I can't tell you what his age is. Um, Let's look for happy birthday posts on his page. That's always the old trick, isn't it? Oh, now well, Ollie is officially stalking him now. He's officially stalking a member of. <laughs> <laughs> Cal's going to be at home enjoying a nice wine, and all of a sudden he'll just hear, Hey, mate! What's <laughs> 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 your birthday? <laughs> <laughs> right, it is on. I found it. I found it. Oh, God. 23rd of March. Well, so he's got Roman Grosjean on. Yeah. With Alan Prost. What the hell? (laughs) 
And uh, can you imagine that, by the way? Can you imagine that? Um, and he's wearing on his Facebook profile picture, he's wearing a white uh, shirt. He's got Red Bull then. Oh, you'd be happy with that. I could have done. Face, he's like, I'm so jealous. That was- <laughs> he's not even here. He- <laughs> <laughs> what if I? No, never mind. Yeah, I'm saying it. What if I take my shirt off? What team do I get then? <laughs> Probably Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Right. Well, I think it's time for the um, 2020 race review part two. But just before we do that, we're just going to, well, I need to take just a breath because uh, I need to recompose myself after, after all of that good fun. Um, thank you very much for sharing. Okay, so we're going to review um, the 2020 season again, and we're just going to talk today about some of the most exciting bits in some of the races. Um, so, shall we? Shall we start with our comments in the Cut to the Race podcast group from our members? Should we start with that? Always, we do this for them. Indeed. So, Aaron Acosta um, said. He liked the Turkish Grand Prix, um, wearing through the intermediates to the slicks. Um, he's, he's also put a picture up of the dog in, uh, where was it? It was Bahrain, wasn't it? Um, which, there, were, there were multiple dogs this year and a scooter rider. A scooter rider? When was that? This, oh, you would ask me. I believe it was, I'm going to play it safe, say it was one of the Grand Prix in Italy, but there was a camera guy on the back of like a Vespa alongside the start finish straight at the beginning and somebody had created a meme that was showing the position of the scooter as he was going along the grid. He got to about P7 before the grid took <laughs> off. <laughs> oh God, I've just remembered. Hold on, let me just write this down because I've just remembered something awesome. You've just reminded me of one of my favorite uh, things that I hadn't written down, Matt. Um, Perfect. We've got Lewis winning on three tires. Um, I think, I think that, that first or second Silverstone. I think that was the first silver. St- yes, that was the first one because he won. Max Stappen won the 70th anniversary one, didn't he? So, yes, um, it was the first one. I got to say that was as an F1. Well, sorry, as a Lewis Hamilton fan, right? Halfway through the last lap, his tire blows, and that was heart in mouth. That was that was got to. Oh. That'll go down in history for me anyway. That was an incredible moment. Um, he also wasn't the only one that had the tire issues that day. Botoff's had the rupture. Yep. Signs did. Uh, but yeah, that was... You can say as an F1 fan, because that was that was just cool. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it, was, it, it was really good. Um, that one was from uh, Josh Knight. Um, he also said, uh, Lando on the first race of the season... Now, I totally agree with that. That was absolutely epic, wasn't it? Last lap lunges from Lando. (laughs) Last lap Lando. He kept it going for a while as well, that name, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Was that also when Kvyat had his really rough crash beginning of the season? Was that Austria or was that... uh, uh, He had a big smash in Silverstone, I thought. I thought he had one in. 
Uh, he had just had the blowout, was what it was, in Austria. Yeah. For Kvyat. Um, Jason Thales has said Kimi's first lap at um, Portimao. Portimao, sorry. Um, six, 16th position to 6th. <laughs> that was That's a good shout, Jason. I'll give you that one. Definitely. Um, if I keep going through these, we're going to have nothing to talk about. <laughs> these, are, these are just brilliant comments. Um, we've got Jean Marie said um, George Russell in the Mercedes. I think, yeah, you've nailed that one, George Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just let's just actually have a think about that. That was the guy going from a, the worst car on the grid, and he's been in that for what two years now. Finishing last, two and a half, three seconds behind. Everyone else qualifying, finishing laps behind. Suddenly, he's in the seven-time world champion's actual car. Actual car. Not even he's in a Mercedes. He's in Lewis's car. That was an incredible performance, wasn't it? I loved every single second of it, even though I can't get Emma to take the bait there. Uh <laughs> That was this season had a bunch of moments that were what we all wanted to see as an F1 community. And I think George Russell getting a shot to give us the litmus test of what he can do in a competitive car. But it's hard to get more competitive than, like you say, the champ's car. And we were all worldwide rooting him on as hard as we could. And that was just pure enjoyment to watch him blitz around that track in that car. Didn't pan out, but we all loved every second of it, I think. Yeah, I think the fans have got a real emotional connection with Russell. And and then after what happened to Imola, where he just literally, he was on for his first point in the Williams and he spun the car um, under the safety car towards the end of the race and he had to retire from the race. It was his own mistake and he felt so bad after it he was so apologetic to the fans because he knew he could have got that point and then he comes into the Mercedes car and everyone doesn't matter if you're a Russell fan or not you are rooting for him and it's just a shame that um Mercedes had a scandalous shall we say pit stop I think it's weird how overarching everybody's love is for George Russell. He is the embodiment of Williams. You know, a lot of Britons and people in the UK very strongly support Williams because it's it's a matter of national pride. Here in the States, you know, I like to see Williams succeed because that is the benchmark of F1 because they've been at the forefront for so long. You can't talk F1 history without talking Ferrari and Williams. And, I've never been a Williams fan, uh, like a diehard in any way, shape, or form. But you can't help but love the guy, and you kind of want to see that that spark plug underdog fight. And George Russell, let's be honest, gives Williams the best chance to be a contender in any shape or form. And you just you want to see him come through. Uh, everybody was gutted when he didn't get the points for Mercedes. I was more gutted that it didn't happen in the Williams at Imola you're talking about because they've deserved it. That team has been through so much. I wanted to see that come to fruition for them. It's been too dang long. Yeah, yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, he's a, he's a star of the future, and he's just a nice chap, um, which really does help. Um, just look at Stroll, for example. Take notes, it, Lance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
the next one on there I'd completely forgotten about. So um, Scott Berry, also one of our Formula Nerds group moderators, um, he's written uh, Carlos chasing down Gasly in Monza and being told by his mechanics, don't take any risks. P2 is huge for us and we need the championship points. And um, he replied along the lines of, along the lines of, off. Mm-hmm. Um, not bad. That just shows his fighting spirit. Uh, that's my second favorite radio transmission of the entire year. Uh, my number one being Max at Silverstone talking about, well, I'm not going to drive like a grandma. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you what, mate? <laughs> <laughs> the meme we made. Yeah, yeah. the meme, yeah. Uh, there are some really great radio messages this year. And the, that, yeah. I think Max has to take that. That along with what did we just do? from somebody's Victoria Byrne has said uh, an interesting one. She said for me, the botched Mercedes pit stops in Bahrain showed they are not, um, they're not inflatable. Sorry. What does that say? Oh, infallible. Um, I need my glasses on. Um, <laughs> and a massive well done to the Red Bull pit crews. Um, I think they, they got like nine out of 10 of the fastest. They uh, did. Yeah. And they had the top nine out of those 10. Uh, trivia time for you, Ollie. Put you on the spot. Who had the number ten? Uh, for I those think who don't I know what we're talking this. about, Williams. It was the top ten. It was the top yes. ten fastest pit stops for the entire season. Williams. Williams have always been yeah. pretty hot on the pits, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Um, Mercedes, not so much. Um, Mercedes are. Uh, they're dependable, but man, when they get it wrong, it's finger looking good. Uh, the, the the last one on on, on this um, post in the group is um, I'm not sure if she's seen it, but Emma, it's from your husband, and he's written, "It's Friday then, it's Saturday, Sunday, what? Saturday, Sunday, what?" <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. He said, "Ask yeah, the missus he, about that." Is <laughs> what he's written. Yeah, he sometimes plays me those. Every time there's a new video that goes up of that guy dancing, he just. You can just hear him laughing somewhere in the house. <laughs> He's found another one. <laughs> you know what's funny? I actually, I learned about the actual video through that Lando one. Um, so I did it completely the wrong way around. I didn't even know what Lando was talking about when he did it. I was like, what the hell is he singing? I still don't, and I worry it won't match up to the beauty of Lando Norris singing it. Oh, it will. Oh, it will. Oh, it will. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Matt. Yeah. Some more research. Can you just go on YouTube now? In fact, I'm going to send you the, the right link because there's a few of them. Uh, okay. And you're, gonna, you're okay. going to watch it right now at YouTube. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't seen it. All I know comes from, like, uh, I know Michael Jackson did it originally, but uh, Smooth Operator. Oh, no, that's a different one. I'm talking about the... Oh, no, I think it's Smooth Criminal. Uh, who uh, is Carlos Sainz singing when he sings Smooth Operator? Smooth operator. He wants a smooth operator. Alright, okay, okay. Hold on. There's loads of different <laughs> I, I know, I just need to make sure I've got the right one. Yeah, I have, yeah. Um okay. So just for the listeners, um this I might put this video in the group as well, but I've just put it in a group uh Zoom chat for you, Matt. Okay, I'm watching it now. I don't know why I'm nervous, but I am. It's your volume up. I can't hear it. (laughs) 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 
You haven't seen that. How did that not get to America? It, I'm sure it did. I'm just sitting under my rock. <laughs> I'm sure it did as well. I have never enjoyed anything <sighs> as much as that dude just dancing. Enjoyed dancing in the street. That was my cheeks hurt. <laughs> Come Mufasa! Hey! <laughs> oh God. Um, yeah. So thank you uh, for that one, Emma's husband. Um, <laughs> on our official Formula Nerds Facebook group. Um, <laughs> oh no, you're not getting away with that. <laughs> oh, that. oh no. Uh, so, on a Formula <laughs> so the, 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 the one that isn't the podcast group, we asked, What was your favorite race of the season? And as soon as I find the answer to that, I will let you know. We haven't heard anything about your favorite moment yet, Emma. It's just me and, me and Ollie ham boning it up. No, you haven't heard mine yet either. I, I've got quite a few favorite moments. You um, a top three, a top five, a top 10, top 20? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was looking back at the, um, at the Tuscan Grand Prix at Mugello. Mm-hmm. And that's probably one of my favorite races of the 2020 season. It was just crazy from the get-go. Um you had two multi-car crashes within the first nine laps of the race. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had two red flags. Ricardo was like so, so close to his first podium uh, for Renault um, at the Tuscan Grand Prix. There was only 12 drivers that finished the race. Uh, and um, it was also Ferrari's 1,000 race, although wasn't really anything to celebrate. And um, <laughs> Damn, Emma! <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen that face. <laughs> She's kicking a man while he's down. Oh, <laughs> Ferrari's thousandth race <laughs> shouldn't have even shown up. <laughs> shouldn't even turn up. Yeah, well, um, but yeah, then you had like, um, you know, with with the safety car restart, you had like there was signs, Giovinazzi, Magnussen, Latifi, all got into this huge crash um, at the safety car restart and. Then obviously Stroll spins off, which triggered the second red flag. Which which, was yeah. is that the one where he completely totaled his car? The one that um, we recently put on the Facebook page. The one where they were opening it like the Hulk. Is that that one? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, yes, where we have they to had to red flag mask. it. They had yeah. to red flag the race, and then there was a, another safety car restart. But yeah. for me, the Tuscan Grand Prix had so much action in it and so much drama. It was edge of your seat racing, and I loved it. That, see, that's interesting. I've actually found the the, the poll now. Um, Tuscan GP had eighteen votes. Um, just so you know that the that the highest one had one hundred and eighty seven. That is interesting. So this, by the way, this is on our exclusive Formula Nerd group. So it's uh, we keep we, we keep the numbers realistic. I'm very, 
I think I know what they're going to say, but I also voted Tuscan Grand Prix because mm-hmm. the sheer carnage factor. But also, everybody here going to say, here he goes. The Ferrari livery was just cool. Uh, I really enjoyed that, even if they didn't need to take him out of the garage, as Emma said. Uh, <laughs> it was just one of those nobody knows what's going to happen races, and it was almost a battle of attrition. If you finish, you finish in the points. Uh, that was one of the few times I really remember getting excited for the possibility of Russell uh, getting some points because at the end of that race, he finished 12th behind Kimi Raikkonen, which is a big ask to overtake no matter what car he's driving, and Sebastian Vettel, who has been off form last year. I mean, I think that was one of his best chances to do it. And I remember getting, okay, he's he's still rolling. He's still rolling. That's a <laughs> That's a huge achievement in and of itself at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if if our members have just got a bit of short term short term memory, really. But they, what, I'm not even sure. Should I go worst to top or top to bottom? How how shall I do it? I say just give the top three. Just give the top three, right? <laughs> but, okay, keep it quick, Ollie. Um, the number one is the Italian Grand Prix at Monza with 187 votes. I'm okay with that. Uh, I, I do have some thoughts. It was an we'll share on, them with the class. It was an epic race, but the top three didn't reflect the racing pace, really, did they? It was it was a jumbled up bit of chaos, really, is is what it was. It wasn't. Um, I'm not taking anything away from Gasly or, or or whatever. It was a good race, but it wasn't my favourite. Whereas Hamilton got a 10 second. That's penalty. exactly why. No, it's not. It's not because of that. <laughs> Finish seventh. Is that maybe why? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I just thought, I thought there were better races than that, but um, the people have spoken and that was their favorite race of the year. Um, it, it was good. I mean, do we have anything else to, to sort of talk about when it comes to the Italian GP? The races in Monza are always amazing. They always throw up a lot of action. So I'm I'm not surprised that, that our followers voted for Monza, to be honest. Um, Matt? I'm still, I'm trying not to make an absolute idiot of myself. Uh, so, well, more than usual. By doing? That wasn't Emilia Romana. That was actual full stop Italian Grand Prix, wasn't it? Yeah, that was Monza Italian Grand Prix. Okay, I don't have my notes, of course. So, nope, nothing to add. <laughs> um, <laughs> number two on the list. This is when I said short-term um, memory. I, I, this one surprised me a little bit, but I could see why. It was um, the Bahrain Loop uh, secured Grand Prix um, with 134. So <laughs> a lot of people enjoyed it. I will agree with that as a top contender just because it's not a traditional F1-style circuit at all. It's reminiscent of the older years. We got to see George and the Mercedes. There was a lot of intrigue and unknown in that track. And I will be the first to admit I was wrong about yeah. which variation of that track was going to be better. Uh, that was a delightful surprise and well-deserved to be in that top three ranking. It, 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 was was. A, it was an interesting podium, though, wasn't it? Perez got his first win. Yes. Yes, he did. Ocon was second and Stroll was third and Russell got fastest lap and driver of the day so there was literally obviously Hamilton wasn't racing Mm -hmm. so there was no Hamilton on the grid maybe that's why I didn't well (laughs) it was my favorite 
I guess we kind of glossed over, and I'd forgotten this, the Italian Grand Prix. I thought it was the Tuscan Grand Prix, but it was the Italian Grand Prix where Gasly won, and we had the Evil Empire on the third step. So, I, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. not the new man that we do not speak about, by the way. Uh, that's a different person that Matt is referring to there. <laughs> Voldemort. <laughs> yes, Voldemort. Who has yet to step foot on the F1 grid. <laughs> Voldemort. We actually had... He will never step foot on an F1 podium. I'm just going to tell you that now. Because if he does, I'll knock him out. No, I'm only joking. I'll take that down. <laughs> I have Clip that. Clip that. <laughs> <laughs> we actually had, you know, a lot of people talk about, oh, it's Mercedes 1-2, Mercedes 1-2. We had some brilliant podiums this year. You know, looking back, as I went back and looked through everything, when you look at the season on the whole, week by week, and you get to where we are in the year, right at Christmas, you look back, and all you can think of is Mercedes 1-2. It really wasn't the case. It was. There was quite a few races where it was Hamilton, Bottas, Verstappen, in a jumbled up way. You know, it, there was only a handful of races where you had someone different kind of on the podium. Albon got on there a couple of times. But when they weren't on there, it was something yeah, I magical. Saw, I saw a great, um, a great meme that I, I wish I'd made. Um, and it's, uh, it was referring to everyone in 2020 making their race predict- predictions. Ham, bot, the. And every race, ham, bot, the. Yeah. And it, it sort of was. But number three, um, as voted by 72 people, was the Turkish Grand Prix, which actually I think F1 rated it as their, their most popular race of the season. So we've got different different results to actual F1 here. Um, I thought it was it was a pretty special race. And it's it's like Bahrain, this is a race that won't happen again because um Bahrain, obviously this year we're gonna be back at the the, the normal circuit. Um, it's been made pretty clear that we're not going to have two races in Bahrain and they're not going to use the loop again. So that was a unique 2020 race. But so was the Turkish Grand Prix because um, that's not back on the calendar, is it? So that was made special by just the, the, the resurface as well, wasn't it? That was the one I had the most notes on <laughs> uh, by far. Uh, that was just ice skating hippos is how I'll refer to the F1 cars and that. It was hysterical, terrifying, and just fun to watch. <laughs> Emma, anything on uh, anything on the Turkish Grand Prix? Maybe, maybe who, who got pole? I haven't written that down. It was, it was Lance, <laughs> Lance Stroll got pole. Lance Stroll on pole. That's probably why I didn't write it down. I no, no, I, I, I did get that reference there. It's been stricken from the record. <laughs> uh, that was all. There were some very unique strategies that played out in that race that I enjoyed watching. Like Williams doing the pit lane start to keep the temp in their tires. Uh, some of the, uh, I have the one that I have in here underlined like seven times. Massive slide in turn 11 from Max. Some of the driver recoveries were just incredible in that race. I'm, just... I'm, su- I'm surprised that you don't have written down more often the um, Bottas spin zone. Uh, the one I have here, in a, it's literally like five. I'm using it on like uh, legal pad. There's a line of about five lines and all it's written in the middle is Bottas is dead. <laughs> 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 because it was incredible. 
It wasn't even like breaking news anymore. The first time I was like, well, but trust us off. And then by the seventh time it happened, it's like, ah, there it is. Well, he did it on lap one, didn't he? He set the, he set the style for the race. He <laughs> yes. managed to run on the lap, lap one. And then I th- I was listening back to our podcast on the Turkish GP, which is quite a funny one if you uh, ever want to listen back to it. <laughs> um, we had to stop recording because we got the giggles so much, didn't we, on that one? That was my favorite race weekend because the race was so good and the podcast was so good. It was. Well, and let's look at the podium. I mean, Emma, you tell you tell me the podium for the P- Turkish Grand Prix. So Hamilton won the race. With that, he um, won. Sorry? What, did he also win? He also won his seventh world title yeah, at Turkey. Right. He did, he did. And Perez was second. Yeah, also. And uh, it. Sebastian Vettel was third. That's right. And he also got driver of the day at Turkey. So what this tells me, um, how I would summarise Turkey is a race of driving class. Experience paid off in this race. So what I'm saying here, Matt, because you're disagreeing with me and you're putting me off quite frankly. No, 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 I'm not not trying to put you off at all. This is directed directly at Martin Brundle for saying that Sebastian Vettel is past his prime and doesn't have it anymore. I, I wholeheartedly agree. This came down to control and driver ability and experience. And yes, I, as I said before, Sebastian Vettel has made many, many, many mistakes, specifically yep. this last year at Ferrari. The will You've is still there. You've just got to look at the, the podium to see that this, it was a wet race, brand new tarmac. It came down to experience and three of the most experienced drivers on the grid were on the podium. Exactly. The tyre masters were on the podium. And this was a race of tyres. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to praise Lewis too much here, but it was an incredible <laughs> race from Lewis to win that. It really was. It, he should, everyone always says he has the best car. Oh, that's why he wins all the time. He should not have won that race. He shouldn't have done it. He started sixth. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he then got up to third. And then he went back down to sixth again. Um, at the end of lap one, um, because he made a, he made an error when he went into turn nine, but he still he won the race, um, which is which is incredible. He turned those tires. I think I called it in the podcast slintermediates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that that race just all came down to that's. The, I hope that's what we'll see in twenty twenty two because it was such a level playing field. You know, an advantage on horsepower or torque doesn't matter if you can't apply it and get it down to the ground. And when it's when you're driving on a slick surface like that, I believe the phrase I used was slicker than Al Snot on a brass doorknob. Uh, it doesn't do you any good to just floor it. You have to have control. You have to be paced, measured, and methodical in your application of power throughout that. And Lewis was. And so was Seb. So that that was the that was the top three that were voted for. I mean, followed by that was. Um, British Grand Prix, uh, Austrian Grand Prix, then the Tuscan Grand Prix, then Portugal. I would have thought Portugal um, would have been a bit higher up. It was, yeah. I thought it was exciting. Maybe, maybe only the first ten laps was exciting. Well, there were a couple of races that, for me, you know, you start, you always have that first lap magic to where it is anybody's race. Antonio Giovinazzi is relevant. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but not like not like Portugal, where you've got McLarens 
overtaking the Mercedes for the to, to be in the lead, right? Not just overtaking them, they straight up marauded them. Yeah, for the lead, it just yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I've 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 got a case of I can only remember the first ten laps of that race, and they were incredible, which is why I, I rate that race so highly. Uh, what did you think of Portugal, Emma? I I didn't rate it as highly as as everyone else. I I just think that the start was pretty good, and the the rest of the race was just pretty standard. I didn't see anything exciting out of it. You know, you'd um, driver of the day was Perez, so that's probably only positive really that came out of it. I mean the, the, even the podium was your usual <laughs> Hamilton Bottas mm-hmm. for Stappen mm-hmm. it just to me I was expecting a lot more from Portugal than what we actually got so I was a bit disappointed okay I think a lot of times this year we had the expectations because we were so blessed with crazy races crazy podiums that we had these unrealistic expectations but there were so many races that you know we look back now fondly on, and you realize I was great for the it was great for the first five to ten laps, and then it was go make your drinks, go make a snack, come back, yeah, and watch the last the, twenty laps. Handbot the exactly, yeah. Um, there were very few start to finish races. There were some uh, hmm. moments of brilliance throughout the entire season, though. Yeah, there were, there were, and I, I think. <sighs> I'm just going to look at what was the worst rated Russian Grand Prix. Sochi. Um, I yeah, I agree. I, no, I don't. I, I think Abu Dhabi was a lot worse than that. Do you know that <laughs> in my notes for Sochi, I started a tally sheet of how many times the word train, procession, or uh, <laughs> there was one other was in my notebook. That's how bored I got. I started playing like announcer bingo <laughs> through that race. I can't find my Turkish uh, GP notes. Probably because I didn't write them. Uh, I've just been looking for I them mean, now. It's um, hard to write during a nap. You know what I mean? I, I also think... I literally, have like, I literally have like nine lines of notes from the Russian Grand Prix. Nine. And if you remember this race, it wasn't the worst Russian Grand Prix we've ever had. So for it to still be rated last, that, that, that says a lot. But what also says a lot is, if I'm just looking at the bottom rated... Russian, um, Styrian, Spanish, uh, Abu Dhabi, Hungary, Belgium. They're all the standard tracks. Actually, what made this 2020 season was COVID. I'm just going to say it as it is. It made it a year that we will never forget on track. And we know why it affected everyone's lives off track, but actually on track, it created incredible racing. That was actually one of the biggest notes I had for Sochi was fans back and was excited to see them back in the stands. And then you realize, I see Emma's face like, is that a good thing? It's really not like it really wasn't the best call, but it was just. No, it, was it wasn't nice to but, see them, even if they shouldn't have been there. I guess well, it was the that. following week, Matt, when the first um, COVID case was uh, yes. in, in the paddock, yes. wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Like during the race, it's like, oh, my gosh, we're coming out of the dark times. No, no, no. <laughs> No, we were wrong. On, I was wrong on that note. <laughs> uh, just, I'm just looking at the calendar. The races I can't remember anything about are Hungary. I couldn't even tell you who won it, what happened. Um, doesn't stand out for me at all. Um, what else doesn't? It's the British Grand Prix. And 
that's probably because I'm normally there. But uh, I can't. I will challenge you on Hungary, and I guarantee you will remember what I'm talking about when I tell you it. Mm-hmm. The pre-race drama at Hungary when Max slid off the off the track on the way to the grid. Oh yes, and they did the rebuild of the car at the start finish line. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Honestly, that was the only other big thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally the only thing. I've got in my nose hungry. And that wasn't even in case, so my point stands. Um, <laughs> Valid point, sir. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was it, it was it was a good season. Spa didn't really entertain much, did it? Um are there any big highlights you guys want to call out from this year? Ricardo and his podiums. Have we seen any tattoos? From uh, Ricardo, yeah. Sorry, what was that? Emma was distracted. She was not able to focus <laughs> on what you were saying. <laughs> she was thinking about that sandwich from. Um, which one was the that? Spicy time? sandwich. Yeah, the spicy sandwich. <laughs> for those that know, um, I forgot what, I was, what we were talking about. Uh, Ricardo. Oh, uh, Ricardo. Ricardo. Yeah. I, I, do you know what? I thought it was a a good season for Ricardo, not a great season. Yeah, I, I think it was, I agree with that. He was very consistent. Um, but the fact that he managed to get not one, but two podiums for Renault and he's he's off to McLaren this year. I just think it was it was great. Um, and uh, I'm sure we've, we, we need to see pictures of this tattoo. Well, speaking of, there is another tattoo that was on the line in 2020. Yes, there was. Uh, and for, for for those that don't remember, we used to do little race predictions at the beginning of each race. Um, because one of us wouldn't watch the race. It was, you know, something we, we did. And um, Johnny um, incredibly got it right, which meant... Matt, who wasn't on the podcast, was forfeited to get a tattoo. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's your pre, uh, that's your background to whatever he's about to say. Uh, so with the COVID restrictions, I have had to schedule that very, very far out in the summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> However, there is a Formula Nerds tattoo coming, uh, courtesy of Johnny. You're supposed to be on my side. You're the only other American. But uh, it will be happening, and I predict that we will be seeing my penance before we see Cyril's. Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't seen it. It would have been, it's a bit too late now for Renault to, to make a thing of it, isn't it? Because Ricardo's gone. gone. Yeah. Almost so, gone. So <laughs> he's just going to be stuck with a tattoo done by a driver that he doesn't even work for him anymore. That's going to be a bit awkward, isn't it? You know, on Renault. I kind of have a bold prediction for Renault next year. Yeah. Uh, I feel that Daniel Ricardo's departure will be felt in that team. Yes, they are bringing back Fernando Alonso. Alonso is an incredible champion, an incredible talent, an incredible driver. He's not going to put the same points Ricardo did in that car. He's and not. I don't believe Renault are going to finish anywhere near as high as they did this year. I uh, don't see the hype... With Alonso, neither um, do I. Yeah. I, I, I just, I, I don't think he should have come back. That's just my opinion, but I, mm-hmm. I, I agree. I don't think he's going to be as, uh, as great as Ricardo in that car. Be, being a Hamilton, so being a Hamilton fan, I never liked, uh, I never liked Alonso. Obviously, um, <sighs> nearly. 
We heard it. <laughs> we heard it. Heard <laughs> what? You, I don't like Ricardo. Alonso, he, he annoyed me a bit after his, his, um, his attitude towards McLaren, I think, uh, publicly. I think I thought that was just a bit um, out of order, mate, if you ask me. Um, saying how he was driving a GP2 car and all, all of that stuff. Okay, they weren't the greatest at the time, but have some respect, man. I, I think I lost a bit of love for Fernando for, for at that point. Even as a Tifosi, I just never really got on board the hype train. I'll never knock his abilities in a, as a driver uh, second to none. And his slide recoveries with Williams... Uh, to win his world championships were just fascinatingly terribly cool to watch. But I could never be like, that's my guy. I never got hype about Fernando Alonso. And hearing him coming back was just like your grandfather that sits around the dinner table talking about, oh, well, back in 1987. Like, nobody cares, man. Like, just be an ambassador for the sport. You don't have to be driving to be an ambassador for the sport. Sit down, let some new talent come up. Go drive your go-kart off into the sunset or something. <laughs> go, go sit on your deck chair in Brazil, brother. I think um, yeah. I think one thing um, that he's going to have to do is win over a bit of a new audience. Because if you think about it, Lando Norris fans won't even know who he is. You know, they're, 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 they're so... Fr- Lando's brought such a... All these young drivers have brought a, a, a new generation and they're just going to go, who's this guy? Yeah. None of them were born... When no. he was driving for Renault. No. So the drive to survive fans, which has been a great blessing for the F1 community to have that documentary yeah. to bring people on board, are gonna be like, who's this geezer? Why is this old guy coming back? It's a really good point about Drive to Survive. I didn't realise until we started the Formula Nerds um, how many fans that brought to F1. Like there are so many people who found F1 due, due to Drive to Survive. I mean, I've got my own opinions on that show myself. I, I like it, but I think it's uh, a tad dramatic. It's a drama. Yes. It's, a, it's a drama. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a, it is a drama. And, okay, it might be good for 2020 because there was a lot of drama. But when you're looking at the 20, well, 2019 season where it was pretty average, they made it look like you cannot miss this it is the greatest thing on earth when actually that was a well-selected little bunch of clips, wasn't it? It's the power of editing, which is also <laughs> should be the moniker for our podcast. Every yeah. Once in a while. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm taking my but, hat off. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Tip of the cap <laughs> for me though. It's a brilliant recruitment tool uh, because it's very, very difficult to get, especially here in the States, people who are unaware of or aren't really fans of it. Uh, and haven't followed it extensively like we all have for so many years, to understand the background, the backstories of all the drivers, and to get that emotional attachment. Uh, And I think it opens up a whole new world of people that may not have a track in their home country. Uh, To be able to relate to them, to see the drama, and maybe have their eyes open to something they wouldn't normally look for. I, agree I love it personally. No, no I, I, I do love it. I just think it's not a... Valid representation? Yeah, I, I think I'd rather watch Drive to Survive than the whole F1 season sometimes, if you know <laughs> what I mean. Um, It'd be interesting to see. I mean, some of the, the races that we pointed out as being quite boring, mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see how Netflix actually 
like sort of give us you know what they give us for those races you know how do they perceive it what have they filmed out of those races to make it look yeah exciting what on earth was interesting about uh, you know uh, yeah uh, abu dhabi like what but this is the thing this is what chase carey wanted to introduce a new um following a lot of younger fans he wanted younger fans to be more involved in formula one he wanted to introduce them and all the ideas he came up with i mean if he came up with drive to survive you know credit to him but i don't think he did what i'm saying is all of the ideas that he came up with didn't do anything it was it was drive to survive and netflix that have brought this new generation of fans to formula one i mean all the lando norris fans george russell fans you know um they're all really really young i mean talking like 16 17 they're all Mm -hmm. like teenagers Mm -hmm. and what they've also done is they've brought like a whole new um introduced a whole new platform as well these these a lot of younger fans um have become sort of like youtubers and things like that as well they talk about um like all their favorite drivers over their youtube channels and things like that so it's introduced a lot of younger and new fans to to formula one which which is great see i think for me now that you've said that ollie it really has put a thought into my mind we talk about how try to survival never capture the the pure essence, I guess you could say, of Formula One, to where you're going to have boring races. You know what will they do with Sochi to make it more exciting? And the first thought that popped in my head, me being the devil's advocate that I am, is look at the episode from Germany, 2019, the recovery drive from Seb and the Mercedes debacle. I don't feel they're able to capture the stories on track very well so they have to focus on the ones off track which kind of just put a realization in my head with all of the media access and rights and privileges that netflix have been given by the fia for drives to survive they're still beholden to the same on track uh broadcast footage licensures that we are yeah, yeah. So which is why you know that that episode was pretty boring, considering that was one of my favorite races of all time. And they were yeah. just talking about Mercedes, you know, Lewis Hamilton in the cool down trailer. Sorry, guys, you don't get to see you know him hitting his wing and then clipping the baller coming into the pit lane with an unsafe, an improper reentry to the pit box, and all these crazy things that happen on track because they can't show it. I think that's Drive to Survive could be. By the way, I, I do like Drive to Survive. I will be waiting oh, yeah. till till the second that it comes out, like I did last year. But um, I think until they can get a camera crew in each each carriage, right, and F one collaborating with the footage and giving them uh, uh, more angles or more opportunity, I think um, I think it's a little limited because uh, they can only tell the story of who they were with that day, and for that reason, they can't tell the season in a chronological order, it's all a bit backwards and it jumps around a bit. So you, you don't really get the journey throughout the year. But do you know what? I couldn't, I couldn't make anything like that. So who am I to criticize? It's, um, it's brought a lot of fans to the sport. And I, I'm looking forward to what they've produced from 2020 because it was such a unique season. One of the most unique in F1's history. And I'm quite excited to see what they've done with it. Um, But at the same time as well, I mean, it has introduced a lot of new fans to the sport, but it's actually become quite a big favourite of the teams and the drivers and the paddock to have 
the Netflix guys around because if you look back to the very first season of Drive to Survive, there wasn't that many teams that got involved with it. They were all very quite cautious, didn't really want to sort of have Netflix have their, you know, instant access to, you know, stuff that happens in the in the paddock and in the garage and things like that, all the kind of behind the scenes stuff. But once the first season came out and how popular it was and how it was bringing lots of new fans to the sport, more and more teams got involved with it. Um, so I think it's, it's quite a firm favourite with the teams and drivers in the paddock now. Yeah, and it's built... It's built. Sorry. I thought you were going to play me a little bit of Drive to Survive there. Um, it's my mum bringing me. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what does she think of Drive to Survive? Yeah, yeah let's get her on. <laughs> oh, my God. Um... No. For those wondering, Drive to Survive Season 3, um, it, it is happening. Um, there's no release date for it yet. However, I think the pre- previous two have been released in March or just about in March. So that's when we can expect it. So, you know, take a chill pill. It's going to be a while yet. Um, but it's more likely to start before the F1 season does. Um, <laughs> yeah. I can tell you that much. So, okay, is there anything else um, you guys want to say on the 2020 Formula One season that we have enjoyed, has changed the Formula Nerds, has built us? Um, because from today, Alex Albon is no longer a part of Red Bull. He's no longer the topic of our conversations. There's huge change next year, and, and we're moving on. This is like, this is like, we're putting it to one side now. It's, it's, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's done. I think what it did do was in a a year with so much uncertainty and, you know, with, you know, everyone feeling at a bit of a loss with themselves, with everything that's going on in the world. I think it brought a lot of people together. I think the Formula One did something pretty special in 2020 and that was bringing the Formula One community together. People that were feeling lonely people that were suffering from mental health problems uh, through this pandemic that had lost their jobs, that were going through a lot of hardship. And the one passion in their life, you know, actually managed to get a season together. I think it really brought the whole Formula One community together throughout a really difficult year. It it really did. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's incredible how we, we didn't even, we didn't even exist, uh, you know, in the 2019 season. And we've been part of 2020. It, it was when we started. And actually, we've got such a big community, like you said, Emma, of um, passionate people and really good human beings who just love racing. And when you've got everything else in life going wrong, you can count on um, a good community uh, and talking about a sport that you love. So I think on that note, it's a it's a going to be a big loss for chase with for f1 to to with chase uh stepping aside not away but aside um i think i think it was an incredible job to get this season even going exactly i think my biggest takeaway from the 2020 season is a sense of gratitude to the powers that be in the fia and f1 for sitting down putting the heads together and going how do we make this safe on and off track and how do we get our product to the people who need it now more than ever. Agreed. Um, I didn't think you wanted that cough <laughs> no, on the recording. I wasn't sure if you'd finished talking, you were coughing. I didn't know what you were doing. <laughs> I should I should have given a signal or something. Uh, you know, this season bolstered so many spirits and got, you know, 
let's be honest, before this season began, I didn't know anybody in the in the nerds proper management and group and podcast panel, all of that. We didn't have this amazing I don't even want to say fan base, this group of friends that we come into and talk trash and support each other on F1. You know, it's been one of the best things for me to get through the pandemic is knowing that I have a couple thousand people I can just go nerd out with and talk F1 all day with. Uh, but that's all due in part thanks to, you know, guys like Chase Carey, Mike Massey, guys like that, that made it all happen. So we had something to talk about. Yeah, he. I think he's 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 saved Formula One from death is what he's done. Uh, it was, it was on the decline. No, Bernie couldn't, he couldn't bring it into the 21st century, but I think, I think Chase's Chase's made a big, a big step, um, which others will, will follow him. So I think that's, that's, uh, that's everything on 2020, isn't it? Is there any final closing thoughts, Emma or Matt? Good riddance, 2020. Hello, 2021. I cannot wait to see the wonders you bestow upon us on track and off. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing uh, Daniel Ricardo and Papaya. <laughs> <laughs> Have you not Never seen Never his- in the history of the world has the word papaya been said <laughs> in, <laughs> in such a sexual manner. Sensual <laughs> pronunciation. Um, did you oh, see Lord. when Daniel Ricardo changed his profile? It was either his cover picture or profile photo. The internet went wild with his happy face with a McLaren T-shirt on. It was brilliant. Um, I went I, wild, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I was like, it's my screensaver. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so, yeah, thank you for listening. And please do get involved with our socials. We're a nice bunch of people. You can either go to uh, the Formula Nerds official group on Facebook, which is where you've got 10,000 people that we have handpicked. If, if you're not nice, you get kicked out of this group. It's like a, it's a lovely community and you can just come and talk motorsport um, with people who won't think you're a dick. Um, you can write anything in there such as, hmm, I've just picked a random watch, a race to watch on the f1 tv and blah 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 and you can end up having a great conversation with people it's it's the place to be if you want to just talk f1 with a great bunch of people and if you want to get involved with this podcast you can go to cut to the uh, no you can't you go to uh, formula nerds podcast on facebook um and it's a much smaller place where you can just talk with us and um get your thoughts across and we can involve you within this show so um Please come along. Um, but also, we do have Twitter, which is where you get all our breaking news. Uh, we have a lovely man called Richard, who is a f- another Scot. Oh, legend! Um, he has he has taken our Twitter to incredible levels um, from what it was before he joined us. And essentially, if you want to know the latest news as it happens, that's where you go for it. Because um, I usually wake up each morning to an update from Richard uh, with everything that I need to know. Imagine being five hours behind. I can now officially rely upon Richard for all of my news as it happens while I'm sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Uh, I think we might even we might even get a a, a news correspondent, a.k.a. Richard, on the podcast. So we will see what we can do this year. But thank you for listening. I will stop ranting. Um, Matt, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me as always. And thank you to everybody out there for listening. 
you know, we talk about being the Cut to the Race podcast and Formula Nerds, and we intend to live up to that this year. Uh, you know, with W Series supporting uh, somebody, this guy may be getting a little more involved in the Porsche Super Cup. You know, there are plenty of other great racing opportunities out there, and we want to hear from you guys. What do you want to know more about? What do you want us to inundate you across all of our socials with? Let us know. But most importantly, thank you for being here, as always, and we can't wait to go through 2021 with you. Well said, Matt. Um, and Emma. It's been a pleasure. I was actually so excited to get back into the podcast. I have missed it through Christmas and New Year. Um, but yeah, super, super happy to be back on the podcast. And here's to a great 2021. Here, here. Here, here. Thank you very much for listening. We will be back next week and we will see you there. Podcast Network.